We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Baseball teams are garbage. Football season hasn't quite come around. And it's just kind of like the ultimate dead zone right now if you're a Bay Area sports fan. You know, maybe getting a little hyped up on some uh, some Niners training camp footage. That's that's um, literally what I was going to say. I, I'm, I'm subsisting right now on on uh, Danny Gray footage. So that's all I've got. <laughs> but, all we've uh, got. It, you know what I was – you know what today is? Today is, uh, today is Tom Brady's – 45th birthday <laughs> and so usually i don't care about this sort of thing um you know happy birthday uh but it got me thinking the dude's about to quarterback a team which is going to be a legitimate super bowl contender at age 45 we last year we saw him didn't look like he was slowing down and in my mind i'm thinking 10 years ago I couldn't even fathom the idea of someone playing this long. You know, I could, I couldn't fathom the idea. And now since Brady's basically broken barriers and has people thinking about it, now you got like, you got LeBron talking about, you know, playing in his forties and I'm looking at the warriors, which is really why we want to talk about this one. And I'm, I'm looking at Steph Curry who 34 is old. For a point guard, right? He, he's he's right, and he just put together one of the best finals performances you'll ever see of all from, time. Yeah, just from anyone. Period. I, I don't yep. care what anyone says. That was one of the most yep. impressive finals performances you will ever see. I'm muting your well actuallys if you're going to come into my mentions and be like, well, actually, blah blah. blah in 2001, go away. Basically, where I'm going with this is how much longer. Can Steph play at this level? Because that's where my mind goes. When I see something like Tom Brady, I'm thinking, how long can the Warriors really keep this run up? Because I'm not, I'm not convinced Steph's slowing down anytime soon. And, you know, this, this is a peak summer topic, but I, I just feel like it's, it's worth mentioning. As players, as sports science 
gets more sophisticated as players figure out new ways to preserve their bodies and change their training regimens to keep going. Like that's going to translate to the Warriors a little bit too. We're sitting here going, you know, maybe, maybe Steph has another five years at this level on him. Maybe, you know, like that's, that's kind of where I'm at with this. And I I just feel like, Hey man, what else are we going to talk about today? Yeah. I like that's the that's the capper to the, the the superb monologue you just did. Uh, yeah, you, you brought this up this morning, and and I, I kind of thought about it throughout the day. T- to me, it feels like uh, our generation, Steph Curry and LeBron James, does feel like uh, the NFL's version of Tom Brady versus uh, the Joe Montana of back then. And Joe Montana obvi- obviously didn't play until his late thirties because nobody did back then. And then Michael Jordan, right? And, and where Michael Jordan retired. Uh, and, and it sometimes feels like the players back then, like maybe you, you put Joe Montana, uh, into today's NFL. You put him into today's kind of regimen, training regimen, diet program, whatever it is. And today's NFL rules. And he probably extends his career at least another three, four, five years, right? And I think kind sure. of same thing with MJ, right? A guy who played, you know, 49 minutes every game. And, and like, what would he have been like if he's in today's NBA where, you know, you play 18, last... 18 holes pregame. Yeah. Right, just... right. <laughs> Maybe take better care of your body, stuff like that. So, to me, that's like I always think of that. I think just kind of today's players have that kind of uh, advantage. But on, on the other side, Sam, I also had this conversation with a buddy of mine last night, too. It's like, you know, Jermichael Green, who the Warriors just signed, he's made official uh, yesterday. He, he's going to be 32. He's going to be in his early 30s. And you can probably say, like, he's, you know, his career's, his prime's over. It's far from over. Like he's chasing rings and he's a good vet player, but at most he's got maybe a couple of years left in the NBA. But in terms of being like a really, really, really good player, like those days are done. Right. And he's 32 years old. So I think some of this I'm just trying to say is it's just a greatness of guys like Steph and LeBron, where LeBron, I would say, is probably nearing the end. Um, but I think Steph, who the guy is, what we're talking about is he's got at least it seems like three, four five years left. He's also got an interesting case in his career where Steph took a couple extra years, right? And where he was hurt uh, coming into the beginning yeah, of his NBA a, career. So it feels like he's kind of elongated a little bit, right? And and to tie it to the Brady comp, little bit of a physical late bloomer. You know, like we've all seen the Brady oh, uh, combine pictures, hilarious in context of what he ended up becoming. Uh, Steph, you know, buck 50 when he got drafted, glass ankles, had to remake his whole body. And um, also, style of play comes into it, too. Steph doesn't play a physical brand of basketball. I mean, he tries to at times. <laughs> but he doesn't put wear and tear on his body the way some of the more athletically gifted players who play above the rim do. And it makes you, and in some ways that's similar to Brady, who never gets hit quarterbacking. You know, like the, the reason Tom Brady is able to play at this level for as long as he's been able to is because – he quarterbacks like he's a computer. He avoids getting hit. He just gets to he, he just has to stay in shape and um, you know keep his arm where he needs it to be. But he's not he's not necessarily physically asserting himself the way you know uh, a different position player would. Yeah, I mean Cam Newton, right? Like his career's over, right? And that's that's right. a guy where great highs, but his career's done. And and maybe we can even compare that to like kind of Steph's peers. We can talk about Russell Westbrook, I think, is the obvious one where Russell Westbrook's career looks like it's going to be over. At least a prime version of winning championships as a key guy on a team is over. And Russell Westbrook's like he, it's, he's not 36, right? Like he still has he still has a lot left in the tank. 
you would think, but I think no, him and him and Steph are right? him and Steph are the same age, and <laughs> their careers do not look like they're in the same. <laughs> they're going in the same direction. You can throw James Harden in there too. He's sure. a year younger yeah. than them, but yeah. also, you know, same type of thing. Um, and I just think it's interesting because when to tie this really to the Warriors thing, when I look at why Tom Brady's been able to play as long as he has, uh, it's been it's been intelligence and building smart teams around him to help preserve him. And that's kind of what I'm looking at with the Warriors right now, which is what can they continue to do to take advantage of the all-time gifts that Steph has and help him age gracefully and take advantage of that and still compete. And, you know, they had the blueprint this year, which was a lot of wing depth and honestly just depth and, and going with um, athleticism and depth around him instead of going top heavy, you know, maybe they didn't have, they didn't have the 2016, 17 roster. They didn't have the top heavy roster. They had, maybe eight or nine good players who they could rotate around who could all well, fill roles. Yeah, I mean, I think my preference, your preference maybe before the season was to consolidate a lot of those debt pieces, I mean, namely Wiggins and uh, and Jordan Poole, right, and maybe some of the vet men guys and just say, hey, like, just go get yourself a, a, a quote-unquote star, right? And instead, they kind of did put their eggs in the Steph basket. I, I think, you know, moving forward, because you talk about, elongating the prime and winning championships. I, I do think that's where their plan is to still say, well, Steph insurance gives us uh, the ability to say, well, Moses Mooney and Kamingo, we don't have to trade these guys. And, and same with Wiseman. We don't, we don't have to trade these guys for a start because we think that playing with Steph is going to make them better, but also having a guy that good for that long is going to allow them time to grow. Now they, they got a year, right? They, they got one year of development for those. I'm, I'm talking about just two, two wing guys. They got one year from those guys because of our great stuff on them. They won a championship. And so now the question is, Sam, for me, it's like, is that year enough, right? Are, are those two are guys they, going to be ready, right, this year? Yeah. It, do they have, are they ready to take the next step? Because that's really what's going to elongate this. And we're not asking Jonathan Kuminga to become like uh, Kawhi Leonard or not Jimmy yet. Butler or something yeah. like that. But is, he, but is he ready to be a 20-minute per game wing? at a winning level? Like, is he ready to play two-way basketball um, and, and contribute in that capacity? Is Moses Moody ready to do that? Um, we'll see. I think that's one of the more exciting things about this season because those guys will really go a long way in determining how long this run can go in general because Steph's yep. going to be the Steph's gonna be the focal piece around it, but they need the wing depth and they need the athleticism around him shot making and those things to really take advantage of him and kind of lower the burden on him. Because I don't think it's realistic to ask the guy to average 30 plus points a game for the next four or five years and think he's going to age gracefully. That no, way. no. And, and they're gambling on those guys to be a part of it. So they've got the six guys and like Jordan Poole is part of that discussion. And uh, this, this show is not about the contracts because we've done four on them already. Um, but I think the, the part of the question is, is Jordan Poole is going to be that guy too because he's dude's 20, kid's twenty two. By the way, uh, right before the show, I saw a picture of him working out with Jeremy Lin. Dude, they got they got a max Jordan Poole right now. It, Can they give him one hundred eighty mil, Sam? Because if they could, <laughs> they should. In some ways, Poole is one of the most interesting players in elongating this run because yep. Yep. you know what Jordan Poole allowed him to do this year that they've never been able to do in the past: mm. survive 
when Steph had that foot injury, which cost him, you know, three, four weeks there. Um, obviously, Jordan pulls on Steph Curry, but they were able to survive with him playing point guard. And he played pretty damn well during that span, too. That's another aspect to the aging thing, because uh, the one difference between, you know, football and basketball is the season's a lot longer and there's just more opportunities for for aging and injuries and those sort of things, particularly uh, at the position that we're talking about here. And so, you know, having someone like Jordan Poole does help keep Steph's minutes lower. It does help keep him at 32 minutes a game in the regular season instead of 37. It helps him play 60 games instead of 75. All those things lead to him having a better shot at being healthy and playing at peak of his abilities in the playoffs, which we got to see this year. It didn't, I mean, it almost didn't work with the injury, the way it happened. But the reality is he came back and he was a little fresher because of it. And in some ways it it worked perfectly for them, even though it was like very close. Yeah. Now, now that we know that he was going to be that fresh, like they did, they did get lucky with that. Also, the other thing is if you look at Brady's tail end of his career, if you look at the last two Super Bowls, and I'm just talking Super Bowls because he was good during the AFC, uh, AFC and NFC playoffs. But Brady was was pedestrian. Uh, he was essentially a game manager for both of those Super Bowl wins. Uh, Belichick's defense against Jared Goff uh, shut that down, and then and then Tampa Bay had an all time one well, on all time, but they had an elite defense that took apart a Kansas City offensive line that was in shambles. You look at those two Super Bowls, Sam. It's not Brady wasn't throwing three fifty and four TDs like that wasn't that wasn't the thing. And, and also he had guys like you know AB, Mike Evans, and and uh, who's the third guy who just tore his knee up, uh, Godwin. Uh, next to him right so like he he did have a lot of help around him and that's just how football is but I think that's the same conversation that you're gonna have with Steph Curry like maybe two three years down the line is that we saw uh Steph essentially have to carry him this final because he just didn't have a consistent second third and fourth guy next to him especially offensively um and I think you're hoping uh maybe even next year but two three years down the line that that becomes Jordan Poole consistently on the floor that becomes Andrew Wiggins maybe that becomes definitely should become like a Jonathan Kaminga three years down the line, right? On the floor where he's shouldering a lot of that load that Steph doesn't have to because Steph's going to be 36 years old or 37 years old, and it's just not going to be possible. Yeah, and, you know, just thinking about it, it this might be the best direction for the Warriors to go with it, honestly, to, to, to extend this run. They want – I mean, they love to talk about the two timelines thing. And um, to me, two timelines is always just kind of kicking the can down the road. And they might may have to make some tough decisions in this upcoming offseason. But with that does come the idea that if you develop players, you have a lot of depth on your team and it allows you to play matchups better. It allows you, you know, maybe, maybe one series is a Wiggins series. Maybe the next series is a Jordan Poole series. Maybe the next series next year is Jonathan Kuminga series where he plays more minutes. And that's, that's really the kind of the puzzle they're trying to put together here because everything starts with Steph. It, it just does. Like he manipulates the court. The entire system is based off of the way he manipulates the court. But do they have the players around him to take advantage of them and kind of lower the burden on him so he can age comfortably for four or five years, and it isn't like we need you to do everything and in three years you're done, but we can really stretch this baby out for four or five years, which would be insane. If you think about it, we're talking about stretching him out as a focal point of a contender 
until he's 38 or 39, which like really well, only two players in NBA history. Well, I was going to say it. who's done it. I was going to say who's done that. Kareem. And even at that point, when Kareem was getting in the upper 30s, Magic was clearly right. the guy. He kind of right. aged. You know, Tim Duncan also. Yep, that's the one aged, I know. Age yep. to a. Uh, yeah. I mean, he was he was super effective, but he wasn't the focal point of the offense. No, that's for sure. No, was, but, was, but he was still like elite defensively and 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 obviously a great screenshot setter and and made big plays. So I, I hear you. I mean, that was the that was the Kawhi years, and they just had offensive system that Greg uh, Popovich essentially built kind of from scratch. Yeah, we haven't we haven't really seen it done with a guard under under six five, which is what the Warriors are going to attempt to do with Steph. Usually those guys who kind of keep themselves as cornerstone players for a team contending into their late thirties and forties or big men, you know, even like LeBron. Um, yeah. Uh, he's huge. Like part of the reason it's going to be easier for him to be effective at 37 and then 38, 39 is like, he's still six, nine. He's still two sixty. He's like, those things aren't changed. He's still the same size as Carmelo. Like that, those things aren't changing. And that's the interesting thing with Steph where it's like his shooting ability is going to be respected until like, I'll, I'm, I'll wait for the day when teams are like, <laughs> wow, you know? like wow, it's, yeah. it's not, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to happen, but the ability to do the other things that you need a guy to do as a star player, that's where it gets a little more difficult. And that's where kind of having the depth to maybe give him more coverage on defense. I mean, he just has best defensive season, but you know, I, you, you'd think at 37, 38, you don't want Steph being your best perimeter defender, which he was at times, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and then and then Andrew Wiggins and then GP2, and then and then they kind of figured it out with Draymond and Looney, right? And they ended up – actually, their defense ended up being completely unstoppable uh, against the Celtics. Uh, but to go back to your point, dude, it's not even about – no, no player under six five has ever done this into their late thirties. No player has ever, no player under six five has ever done anything Steph has done in his career. <laughs> Do this yeah. four titles, right? Like you, I was, uh, you know, people make cool graphics all the time, and um, I saw a cool graphic of a player that just all players that have won four championships, at least four championships and two MVPs. It's always like these arbitrary kind of awards, and uh, but th- those are pretty pretty big milestones, right? Four titles, two MVPs. And uh, and it, and it's 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 Braun, it's MJ, it's Tim, it's Magic, and you're just sitting there and you're like, oh shit! So it's four of the greatest players ever, and they're all uh, huge. They're all six five, six six, or, or or higher with absurd athleticism and, and great handle. And then and then you've got Steph, <laughs> right? You've got you've got Steph uh, there at the at the bottom with with four, and and he's and he's six two, six three, and it's just like it doesn't make any sense what this dude is doing. Uh, and, and you can still see it going for another three, four years. I also think another guy that you can say this about is, is Clay Thompson, obviously at a lower level because Clay's not as good as Steph. But that's another guy that you would think for the next, I mean, he's also younger than Steph, for the next three, four, five years. I mean, Clay, that's a pretty easy, graceful kind of um, downward trend, right? As he gets older, I, I say downward because. I mean, his prime is past, but he's not, he's going to be an effective player. Like, this is not going to be like, oh my God, Clay Thompson is suddenly James Harden and he's awful, or Russell Westbrook is completely lost. Like, that game that Clay has is just perfect for the next three, four, five years of his career. Yeah. On the Clay note, I'm, I'm super excited to see what he looks like next year because, like, I thought he competed really well and I thought he had some really great moments in the playoffs and he actually got better 
as series went on. Both him and Draymond low-key low were terrible at the beginning of most playoff series and better at the end of them, which is the most veteran thing ever. Like, I get, at game two in, like, the uh, Grizzlies series, we're, like, texting back and forth. I'm like, play's done. It's over. Draymond's washed. It's over. You know, that sort of thing. And then by game six, I'm like, ah, yeah, never mind. I never said any of that. Delete, delete the text. Delete them. I mean, them, I mean know? even against like, Dallas, Clay was so bad in the first couple of games against Luca. You're like, oh my god, Luca's blown by. And then by game five, Clay has 35 points, and it's just like, well, the series is over. And and also like just figured it out defensively. Figured out how to. Right guard guys like first couple of games he's getting blown by by game five or six his positioning's better he understands what he needs to do to guard him Draymond was the same way and it was it's kind of it, it was weird to watch them play that way because we're used to we're used to that not being the oh. case we're used to them, like game one locking guys let's up let's go and oh. and then and then someone figures something out and then they have to make an adjustment as an not used to them being the old guys going through it but um <laughs> game by the time game six happened at the Boston Draymond was the best like nobody was scoring on him and he was ripping Horford every single position. It is true because we bring up the Warriors being similar to the Spurs in the in terms of the vet stuff and, and Grant Williams has that great quote of like, hey, we're better we're a better team, but we're actually not better at anything related to basketball. And one of those things was just the Warriors figuring him out after yeah. three, four games. We never talked about the Grant Williams quote. Let's let's talk about that for a minute just because I, I got time. And so we did. I'm watching you know, I don't even want to acknowledge what I'm watching. So um, <laughs> what I was going to say is, yeah, is, is we're the better team. They were just, they just executed better. Like, what does that even mean? What, 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 so he, so he's basically saying we're more talented than them, but they played better than us. Is that right? I, I'm also confused that uh, I'm confused as to what talented means, right? Like what does your talent, does that talented mean that you're bigger and stronger. I mean, I don't know if that seems. It's, is it, 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 it that you it, can it, dribble with your left hand? Because it doesn't seem like you could do that. No, right? the, none, none of those dudes can do that. That much I know. <laughs> so is like, it that? Yeah, that none of those. Seem like they, talent. Then they they got Malcolm Brogdon. They might actually have someone who can Fair. use their left hand now. Fair. Uh, but but he wasn't on the team last year. Um. Yeah. No. It's to me, talent was just like we thought we physically overwhelmed them for a game and a half, <laughs> and then. And then they thought about how they wanted to guard us and made adjustments, and it was over. Yeah, yeah. So, um, the, so the more the Warriors actually had a counterpunch. So, so you knocked them down. The Warriors actually had a counterpunch. You had to figure out how to actually hit the Warriors, and you couldn't figure that out. So, so just because you actually had the first punch and you kind of stunned the Warriors a little bit, doesn't mean you're a better team. That's the stuff I was always confused about. It was always it was also even funnier because Grant Williams was objectively terrible. That's oh, he was, un- like, he was unplayable by oh like, my game God. three, maybe. He actually wasn't bad in the early part of the series, but he was he was one of those guys the Warriors were just like, they figured something yep. out and they're like, and now you're done. Yep. Now you, you know, get <laughs> go work out in the summer because you're not ready to play in this type of series. That's a great point. Um, okay. Same, same yeah. with Derek White, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Um, honestly, all their players, <laughs> to be honest, except for except for Robert Williams, who, who just kind of wore down That's and right. I mean, he's he's better than Looney. Um, oh, delete this, actually. No, can't have that. Can't have that on the record. Um, but it's like one of those guys where it's like he's he's re- he's amazing at his role, but like his role is only he only does so much in his role, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, f- future James Wiseman, by the way, uh, Robert Williams. 
But he likes It's August. We're turning over a new leaf. We got a couple months to when is training camp? What are we? We got a month and a half to kill here? Two months before the Warriors are back? Oh. Six, seven weeks, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, no. I mean, we're gonna probably do some evergreen topics for August. We're gonna have a little fun here. Uh, and then September, we're going to start hearing the trickles of contract negotiations and camp and, and all that stuff. As you notice, neither Andy or I are willing to acknowledge Draymond's Toronto trip because it didn't happen. <laughs> um, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Keep it moving. <laughs> Keep it moving. Yeah. All right, guys. If you want to call in, we'll take your calls. We can talk about anything. We can talk about Steph, how he's going to age better. Um, we can we can play with that Celtics comment. We never really got to do a green room on it because it coincided with summer league and a few other stuff. We you know if, if you want to talk about Charvarius Ward, we're happy to do that too. Um, if you want to come in here and you know talk about Devonte Adams and how Derek Carr is going to have vindicated this year, I got your back. Whatever you know, you just call in. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Grant, what's up, man? Turn yourself off mute. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's up, bro? Yeah, we can hear you. All right. So I wanted to throw a theory at you guys. Let me know what you guys think. Ooh, I like this. One of one of the underrated storylines that just totally got forgotten after the finals was Steph shooting. For like all year during the regular season, there was this whole narrative about you know Steph is shooting worse, he's declining. You know Tommy Gunn was dancing on his grave, uh, and I wanted to throw a theory that it was mostly about rhythm uh, because. You know, the whole year, Steph was sort of playing, like, off of his normal rhythm. And I think the point from the coaching staff was they wanted to get him less minutes so he was more ready uh, in the regular – or in the playoffs. And by the end of the playoffs, by the time he started playing, like, his full, like, actual rotation, he was shooting above 40% uh, on his three. So let me know what you guys think about that theory. Yeah, Grant, I actually think that's I, – I, I think that's true. I think – okay, so first off, we got to talk about this. You know what the difference between 38% and 40% is, Andy? Mm. Besides the 2%, what is the difference? One extra make every 50 shots. Mm. So when you break it down that way, what we're talking about is Steph making one extra shot every five games. Um, So when you put it that way, you're like, it's really silly that we're saying he's in a slump because of one shot every five games. Uh, But I do agree with Grant. Steph is such a rhythm-based player. And when 
when he starts feeling it, it's like the ultimate avalanche. And in the early part of the season, they clearly were okay with hurting his rhythm to make the rest of the team better with that, like, uh, you know, the two mid-quarter subs. Like, remember the the sub pattern that everyone hated where it's like comes out at seven oh, minutes, yeah. goes back at oh, four yeah. minutes. I That's part of it. It's like Steph takes a couple shots, he either makes them or misses them, then goes to the bench, then comes back, takes a couple shots, and then back to the and, and it's one of those things where it allowed them to play Steph more minutes while getting him more rest because the stoppages helped them a little bit, but it independently hurt his individual numbers. And I still think it was the right decision because I think it was worth the experimentation. And like, honestly, I don't really give like, well, I know how like no one guarded Steph different. I'm, I'm not defining him by his numbers. He has enough numbers in his career. But it did, but it did objectively hurt his rhythm a little bit. I, it was worth it because the Warriors won basketball games playing that way, right? It, it, they won because the team was better when he was on the floor, not off the floor for an extended period of time. I'm with you. It, it's it's now that the season's over, and I, I love that he brought this question up. Now that the season's over, I think we can 99% confidently say that it was the rotation because the way Steph plays, he's not coming in. Like what LeBron will do is, or KD, they'll, they'll come in, they'll get the rock, they'll go straight to the rim, they'll get a bucket if they want. Well, the way Steph plays, never he'll never do that. He'll come in, there's four minutes left, or he'll have four minutes on the clock to play. Like he'll spend two and a half minutes of that running around off ball. Yeah, he plays uh, like he, cat and mouse with the defense. Right, and he's got to get in rhythm. And his thing is like, uh, with Steph, it's he doesn't need the ball to be great. Game five, the most pivotal game of that, well, every game was pivotal. But game five was 2-2 going back to, to Chase. And Steph had the worst shooting game of a series, which he always does. And it happened in a game five. But you know why Andrew Wiggins had almost 30 points in the biggest game of his career? Outside of the fact that Andrew Wiggins was awesome that series, because they doubled Steph at half court. And all Andrew Wiggins had to do was go one-on-one and go to the hole. Now, Draymond wasn't scoring. Clay wasn't scoring, right? None of those guys were scoring. So somebody had to do it, and it was Andrew Wiggins. And... But he was able to do that because of the way that teams guard Steph. So even though Steph shot, you know, I mean, like three for 33 or whatever he did in game five, that doesn't matter. And and that's what, you know, in the regular season, Steve is looking at or whoever in there, Sam, is looking at the rotational numbers and lineups and saying, you know what, let's go mess around with this combo. Because if Steph is willing to sacrifice and say, hey, this is the first season you ever shot, shot under 40 percent because we're winning, then we'll do that. Right. If Steph says, you know what? I'm going to go full James Harden. Fuck your rotation. I just need to shoot 40% from three. Put me in the game when I want. The Warriors would have done it. <laughs> yeah. Warriors would have done it. I mean, he, if you really, if we want to wax poetic about Steph being the best leader in the NBA and all, all the things we do, which I think both of us believe, um, he was willing to sacrifice his individual numbers in the rotation he preferred to get other players going. He was willing to come off the bench at the beginning of the playoffs because he knew other players on the team were uncomfortable with that situation. Uh, Jordan Poole, Clay, come to mind. Neither of them wanted to come off the bench. Both those things paid off in the team being a little more united and playing better long term. Those things, we used to talk about that stuff way more. Now, all anyone wants to talk about is individual numbers. But both those things, absolutely had an effect on keeping the Warriors together, having better chemistry, getting every player to play to the best of their ability, which 
ultimately led to them winning a championship. So yes, going to give him his credit for that one. Rather Steph shoot 38% from three and sacrifice his individual numbers for a ring than have everyone sacrifice so Steph can shoot 44%. And we can talk about how he has no help. You know, like this is, this is not even a question for me. One last thing. Have you been watching the Derek Jeter? Um, I have, I have not. I heard it's, I heard it's incredible. Uh, have you? Is, is so it really I, that I just, good? I just started it. I mean, it's it's nostalgia kind of propaganda. propaganda. It's uh, it's fun. Yeah, I I sure. guarantee you, you'll at least enjoy it. It's fun. But um, Jeter had a quote in it, and I, I linked it in the chat where he goes, where you know, it's like they say they were the better team. Um, you lost, so no, you're not the better team. I did Sorry. see that. <laughs> and and you know what? Just facts. That's facts. Winner gets to write history. Sorry, Grant Williams. Yeah, yeah. And and I and I think that's. Uh, I think I think the Warriors. That's what made the Warriors. Um, at least when they won that first championship, and even the second and third, like it was always very difficult to watch them being covered because it always felt like, hey, they won the championship, but it was never given the same amount of credence and credit that you would see from other teams winning championships, and. And and now I think, you know, these conversations become so toxic because you're like, well, the Lakers won a championship, but it was during the bubble. So now everybody makes one of the bubble. And I, I'm, I'm the first one to do it. Um, but I think a lot of that started with, uh, hey, the Warriors won a championship in 2014-15. All, but- all I'm saying is Anthony Davis didn't have to go into the Boston Garden uh, with, with, you know, Portnoy oh, yelling and all yeah. that noise and, and do what Steph did there, you know. Not not gonna bring up LeBron because he did it, you know, like eight years ago. So right, I sure. he's done it too. But like, right. yeah, you know, that's no. I'm just getting a hard time. No, you, I, you're, it's, you're you're 100 correct though. But it's like the 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 toxicity of trying to prove every ring is you know. <laughs> and and but but like the thing, I mean, you you, I mean, that's the that's the biggest one. I hadn't even thought about that. But it's like, can you imagine the difference between? Can you imagine like how certain players would react? Now sometimes I see the numbers that Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell have during the bubble and. Good players. Can't wait to see uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell in New York. You know, I mean, winning 30 games a year with Jalen Brunson. Can't wait to see Jamal Murray come back. It's like sometimes you see those numbers. Those guys average 40 points a game in the bubble in the postseason. You're just sitting there. You're like, ah, I can't. Just what are we doing? What are we doing? And then you watch Steph go into, like you said, go to into Boston Garden, and you, everybody was talking about how uncomfortable that place always is. Probably the most uncomfortable arena in the NBA. And he goes in there down 2-1, off a foot injury. Dude was in a boot the night before. And he drops 43. And by the end of the night, the Boston crowd is, is in awe and they're clapping. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's a little bit different from the bubble. It's a little bit, a little bit different. Just a little bit. But, you know, anyway, we'll move forward. Pablo, what's up, man? Hey, sorry. This app always bugs for me. Uh, two trade scenarios for y'all. One, uh, one Let's giant. Let's do it. And one Warriors. Uh, do the Giants one first. What what should we trade for Otani in the offseason? Just just everything. Um, and then two, if you had to pick one out of Poole, Draymond, or Wiggins to trade um, in the next season or the next offseason after this upcoming season, who would y'all pick? Personally, I hate to say it, it's Draymond. But yeah, would love to hear it because Lake of... Uh, doesn't want to spend, you know, whatever his budget is, he doesn't want to spend it. And he's clearly seems to be indicating. Uh, 
I, I that question, by the way, Pablo, really appreciate the call. Um, by the way, when you watch both Bay Area baseball teams, it's a little harder to be upset with Lacob right now. <laughs> Spending, you know what I mean? So like he's got that working in his favor. If he loses one of those guys, no one's really gonna get mad at him because um, you know, you're watching like Tommy Lastella and uh, oh, and, stop. uh stop. another stop. Tommy Lastella in Oakland. So, you know, sa- same thing. Um the Giants my my general opinion as a non-Giants fan is they should trade everything for Otani because I would very much enjoy being able to watch him on local TV every game. So that's my personal yeah. opinion. Yeah, I, I, I would definitely. I, I, but they'll probably wait. I mean, the Angels aren't going to trade Otani, dude. Are you, are you kidding me? I mean, it, it, if his his value, if they were going to trade him, probably should have been this uh, post. Like what? Like what? What national? Well, he's only got he's Juan only, Soto. He's got one year left, so they either trade him or he walks in free agency the following year. But yeah, your your point stands. Like they they don't seem to view it as an asset. They they seem to view it as uh, uh this is all we got, guys. This is all we got. Yeah, exactly. It's like, dude, why? And and it's like, yeah, Juan Soto's great, but Otani's brand is is just so much larger. And if I were the Angels, I would hold on for dear life and, and maybe resign him. But then some look like that's gonna happen. If you're the Giants, like what you do is you throw the you throw the freaking you throw the entire checkbook at him, like whatever, whatever. Give him one, throw, give him one of the Mission Rock buildings. I was going know, to say, don't, give don't need all rock. of them. Just give him one, one of them. You know, it's like four high rises. They can lose one. He'll pay. He'll make it up. Can you move like a? Uh, can you move like a village in Japan? Like like some somewhere in Kyoto? Can you just move a village? Uh, in wherever Shohei is from, into Mission Rock, right? And just give him that whole land and just say, here you go. Uh, because I think that's what you do if you're the Giants and and you spend this offseason and you say, give me Aaron Judge, right? Even though I think he's he's older, but whatever. You you get him and pay him $500 million. And the next offseason, you say, all right, Otani, let, let's make him the first billion-dollar player <laughs> in the history of baseball. Like, like, I don't know, man. Like, the, the Giants minor league system. Is, we're not here to talk about it. What was the second yeah. question? What was the second question? I forgot. Oh, you got to pick one between the three guys. Who would you pick to trade if you, had, uh, you got a choice? I hate answering this question. I know. Um, Go the nuance route because I know you want to. You're going to talk about trade. No, value. just You're talk someone's, about... someone's always just going to get mad at you, no matter what your answer is. And then, and then, and then someone's going to like out of context tweet at me and say, you hated him always. I'm like, what? <laughs> hey, it's the life. <laughs> you want <me> life? <laughs> I enjoy it. Um, I will go first. I enjoy it. Uh, I think you trade Wiggins. Um, and here's my here's my thought. Even though he was uh, the second most consistent player, I think we've said that. I think everybody now agrees and has agreed that he's the second. He was the second most consistent player. Um, if Steph didn't win the MVP, he would have won the MVP. Blah blah blah. All that all that stuff, and just kind of one of the coolest reclamation projects that the Warriors have done. But I think with Draymond, you don't have a defense without Draymond. You don't have a top five, top one defense without Draymond. Not in the regular season, definitely not in the postseason as much as it's it's fun to make fun of Draymond. Jordan Poole, I think he's still young. You just need another score like that off the bench. They cannot replace the way Jordan Poole plays. Uh, they don't have anybody that can replace he plays. No, no veteran player, no young guy that they can have can even come close to replacing half of what Jordan Poole does now and what he can do because he's still 22. The reason why I think you would you would look to move Andrew Wiggins is that you pray you pray that Jonathan Kaminga, who's who's just as athletic and, and perhaps just as talented, can become 75% of Andrew Wiggins at some point. You hope that Moses Moody 
can do the same thing and, and be an elite three and D guy um, and kind of paper over some of the stuff that you miss with, without Andrew Wiggins. So that, that's my, that's just my thought. If you were to get rid of one guy, I, I think you could probably replace Wiggins the easiest with those two wings. And you just kind of, you kind of hope, but obviously I just, just sign them all. Right. But I that's mean, probably the guy. There's also a third route, which no one ever mentions. Trade some of the kids so you can keep all of them. <laughs> um, who? Wiseman who? makes <laughs> Wiseman makes ten million a year. <laughs> Kuminga makes six. They're sixteen right there. Trade them for future picks. If you think you can't do without any of them, you do it. The, I understand why people think Draymond's the one you have to let go, but they don't have any interior players. Like it's it. it until Wiseman or Kuminga is ready to anchor a defense, Draymond kind of has the team hostage. Sorry, he just does, you know? Like, he, you need you need that guy um, to anchor the defense. I think I probably agree with you, but I hate it because Wiggins is also, like, the easiest plug-and-play playoff player on the team. Like, he can hit open shots. He can guard everyone at an insanely high level. He doesn't want the ball in his hands. So he just fits around everyone. So it's like, I don't know. My, my honest answer is find a way to trade two players for one to consolidate. Uh, and I don't know who that is. I don't know if it's Draymond and Kuminga or Wiseman and Poole or, you know, Moody and Wiggins or something like, or like Wiggins and Poole or something like that. But like, honestly, the smartest business route for them is to trade two good players for hopefully one slightly better player, just because one player's salary is less than two players' salary. That's, that's my thought, even though I like, I, you know, I'm, I, it's post championship nostalgia. Like I don't want to give away any, like I like all these guys. I don't want to trade any yeah. of them, but it's just yeah, kind of like, I mean, that's kind of what you're left with now. But look, if you know, friend of the show, Kevin wants to come back home. Come home, Kevin. <laughs> All right. By the way, the um, I've got the Giants and Dodgers on. It just it gets worse by the by the hour. It gets worse <laughs> by the day. Um, people people will listen to this in two days and not know what you're talking about, but also be like, I know exactly what you're talking about in terms yes. of the pain. In terms of the pain level. In terms of, of the pain of, level. Quite possibly one of the worst uh, seasons of the last of the last decade. Um. There's a couple things. I mean, Newser, uh, I, I didn't know that Jermichael Green hadn't even officially signed yet till yesterday. So um, did you notice that he mentioned he was injured last season? That's why he didn't shoot very well. Did yeah, you know hand, that? Inju- hand injury. I did. Um, everyone's always injured when their percentages drop. Sure, 10%. sure. Okay. Um, yeah. Fair. I do, th- I do think, look, man, you don't go from being able to shoot the ball to just not being able to shoot the ball. Something had to be up. So, um, I think I think he's a decent bounce back possibility there. We'll see. Yeah, I think I think we'll that's uh, that's that's a fascinating one. And then another thought I had too. I was thinking about this the other day with Dante DiVincenzo because I think um, it's it feels like it's been two years ago since the Warriors signed DiVincenzo. Um, do you think that he's a guy that this is peak offseason material? You think that he's a guy that with a good year probably gets more money than GP two next offseason? Easy. He, not even. Not even. A really? 
um, because he fits more teams. If he has a good season, hear me out on this one. If he has a good season, he's going to shoot 38 to 40% from three. He might shoot over 40 on the Warriors because of the looks he's going to wow. get. He's good shooter. Um, he is a very smart cutter. Um, he's also going to be the guy who gets like, let's say two to three assists a game on the Warriors, like not a primary option, but just like by virtue of the way the Warriors play makes the extra pass high IQ. And then he's a, he's a decent defender. He's a good defender and he's young. The difference is he's 24 next off season. He'll be 25, maybe one year off, but anyway, GP's 30. There's going to be a team who's going to be like 15 mil right there. That's a wing I can plug into my team because everyone's looking for wings who fit around everyone. And GP is kind yeah. of a more, um, you know, you, you need the right players to fit GP. He, he's a little niche. Yeah, he's a little, a little niche. Yeah. But spe- yeah. a little specialized, but I mean, perfectly specialized on the Warriors. But I see your point about, I see your point about Dante, which I think is like a, you know, you, you, it's always fascinating because, you know, like you said, he's 24. Which is like, dude, you would think that a guy like that who's taken, it feels like a bit of a pay cut. He didn't even get the full tax pyramid level. <laughs> like he didn't even he get the full tax pyramid level as a 24-year-old. Now, By the way, I was, injuries he's, and 20, stuff, yeah. he's, 20, he's 25. But anyway, the point this the point. 24 or 25. So I was doing the I same stupid check. shit when I, was, when I was both 24 and 25. What's the <laughs> but, uh, but it's like for him to take that type of prove-it deal, um, and he's a better player than, like, for example, I look at the, the Lakers, and you're the Lakers, and and you sign Lonnie, Lonnie Walker. Lonnie Walker, why? And you're just like, what? What, what would your thought be if the Warriors assigned Lonnie Walker? Why? <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it, it's it, not. It's just not a post. Right? It's not a winning postseason player. Lonnie Walker is not. No, no, and and so I I think. And the other thing is, you know, the war, this is kind of a mutually beneficial ag- agreement. Like Dante didn't get offers because he got hurt at the wrong time. And just, you know, like he hit free agency at the wrong time in his career. He would have got a big offer if it was before he had that foot injury. Um, and the Warriors are like, hey, come here, rehab your value and you'll get paid. So it's kind of mutually beneficial. Um, it's it's the best you can hope for, honestly, for, for yeah. all sides considered. So. I, I'm optimistic the same way you are. Like he's he's gonna be a good fit. It's just a question of how good a fit. And like obviously he's replacing a guy who is really good in the finals and really good for the Warriors. So it's like just fitting in. He's gonna be held to higher standards. I guess is my best. yeah yeah. Um, and it, it does kind of the Warriors rotation now is is pretty complete, right? You've got the uh, Steve calls it the foundational six. Hilarious. Uh, the foundational six now that Wiggins and Poole are part of it. Uh, and then you've got the two vet guys. You've got Jamichael Green and Dante DiVincenzo, so that makes eight. Um, and then you've got the two wings. Um, I, I don't really count Wiseman. Just I don't know where he's at uh, right now in his development. But I count wait the two and wings. See. Wait and see. Yeah. Wait and see. Yeah, the two wings are not wait and see for me. The two wings are I think both should and could should could and should play twenty plus minutes a game. Uh, and those are your ninth and tenth guys. And if you get one of those to pop um, in terms of winning basketball. Uh, that that's a solid ninth player, and I think that that's you look at that roster. It's a pretty, it's a pretty damn good roster. I mean, even especially in the regular season, right? So um, I think all of that adds up to, to good things if you're if you're a Warriors fan. I agree. I think we should get out of here now. It's summertime. Appreciate everyone who stopped by. Pot will be up. We'll we'll be here next Wednesday.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.